The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about building a productive marketing team. Joining us again is Robert Glazer, who is the founder and CEO of Acceleration Partners, which is an award-winning global affiliate marketing agency delivering performance-based customer acquisition and partnership programs for the world's leading brands. Through their performance partnership program management framework, Acceleration Partners helps their clients create transparent, high-value programs that bring more customers, incremental sales, and faster growth. And today, Robert is going to rejoin the podcast for the second time and talk to us about his views on building a team structure and culture. Okay, here's my interview with Robert Glazer, founder and CEO of Acceleration Partners. Robert, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for having me back and congrats on your new edition. It's been a wild world for anybody who hasn't heard it yet. My wife gave birth to our second baby about the week before the coronavirus outbreak. It's been a wild couple of weeks. I hope that you're staying healthy and staying safe as well. We are. We are in uh, lockdown here in Massachusetts. So we're all de facto quarantined, I think, at this point. Well, I'm not supposed to leave the house here, but by the time this episode gets published, hopefully all of this will be behind us. We'll be outside. Yeah. <laughs> and we will be back to talking about, okay, God, what am I going to do? I got to kickstart the business. And generally, when I think about running a business, starting a business, you got to think team first. You wrote a book about this. Tell me a little bit about your strategy for the foundation of building a team and a culture that's driven for marketing success. The one thing I dispute on that, I think it should be driven for success. <laughs> and then, you know, the marketing success can come from that. So the framework that I've seen across every high-performing organization, this is in business and outside of business, is sort of three things or five things, uh, maybe three core and two modifiers, I like to refer it. So they have a vision, they have a distinctive point of view of where they're going and why. They have values, like real core values, not the ones that are the wall art, but the ones that you're hiring, promoting, and firing people based on. And then there's goals and targets of where you want to be and how you're going to get there. And those are to sort of fulfill the vision, and they happen in service of the values. So you can't violate your values getting to your targets. 
So let me chime in here and ask a little bit about values. I've worked at big companies and worked at small companies, and I've seen a fair amount of wall art. It's the majority, yeah. But the truth is there is some value to that if you have values to remind everybody what they are. I was at eBay, and the value in the culture was very tangible and also very much painted on the walls everywhere. How do you figure out whether your values that you're setting are fluff or whether they're actually real? The value should be how people behave and how they're making decisions. So you should see them and hear about them regularly, not preaching, but demonstrating. So for example, huge part of our interviewing questions are all related to our three core values. Our shout outs on our company calls and meetings are core values based. We actually have the annual core value awards where you win the own it award at the end of the year. And when we're having performance discussions and why people aren't working out, they tend to be value based. So those are the things that we reward and the framework that we ask people to make decisions of. So you need that living of it. If it's the cool thing on the wall, but no one does it, you know, Patty McCord, who wrote the famous Netflix culture deck, you know, she had this great thing where Enron said their values were integrity and respect and something. Yeah, how'd that work out? Right. The actual values at Enron were sort of like, go at it alone, take outsized risk and screw the next guy, right? If you actually looked at the company, that's how everyone was behaving. So to me, if you want to understand if values are real at a company, do people know them and look at behaviors? If they're on the wall or not, I, I think there's probably a disproportionate inverse correlation between them being on the wall and often being lived out. So, I mean, ours are, again, you don't need an index card. Ours are own it, embrace relationships and excel and improve. And it is tied to almost everything on a day-to-day basis. So talk me through the process of setting your values. You have three values that are tangible and fit for your business. How do you figure out when you're starting or when you're trying to reset what your culture is, what the value should be? I think individuals need to know their personal core values. Companies usually come up with a vision first because usually the owner started the company for a reason or the founders. The vision is like, you know, we want to cure cancer or we want to make the marketing industry performance-based. You have sort of this bold reason. Then you get to about 10 people and I think you start looking around and you figure out, you know, there's this exercise called Mission to Mars that people can look up. But like, what are the best pieces of everyone here? Like if we had to pull the best out of each person, what are the common principles? I think you can do values at around 7 to 10 people because they can't be aspirational. A vision can be aspirational. Values have to be who you actually are. Like aspirational values do not work. If you're a really competitive person, tell people that. Don't say we value teamwork when you value winning. I thought teamwork helped you win. (laughs) It depends. But okay, here's an example, right? If you give 80% of your bonuses to 10% of your employees, then you're not rewarding teamwork, right? You're rewarding individualism. If you make your bonus structure team-oriented, then you're actually rewarding teamwork. So I think that there's an interesting correlation, and they're not always the same things between what your values are and what your company culture is. To me, I think of the values of tied to the mission, end up being wall art, but the three statements that you say, okay, this is how we're going to manage compensation. This is who we're looking to hire. And then when you build your culture, that's how do the people actually interact with each other in an organization. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. 
But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Talk to me about how you view culture versus values. To me, the values is the manifestation of the culture because it's how we expect people to behave, right? I think you get what you reward. So one of my favorite quotes ever is Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett's number two. And he said, show me the incentive and I'll tell you the behavior. And that's not only true in terms of financial incentives, it's just what you actually reward. So we reward those things. We call them out. We celebrate it. We slap people on the wrist when we don't do it. And pretty soon people understand. Now, ideally, you'd find the person who just fit you know, into that. And there's some things they need correction. But the people who's like, look, I don't want to own it. Like, I want to blame other people. Those are the people that work at our company for about three to six months because it just, it runs counter into the machine. You know, people are saying, oh, we made a mistake there. Can you write up a brief and share it with everyone about what we can learn from it? And what they get is a brief that blames all external factors. And someone sits down to them and said, just so you know, Ben, that's not owning it, how we look at it. Yeah, I think that that's really an important call out is cultures are driven by the people that you hire and what their behaviors are outside of work often, if not all of the time, influence what their behaviors are inside of work. And when you're building a culture, you really have to understand who the people are, not just how they're going to react to the values that you have, but you know who are they outside of work in their personal non-professional life as well. 100%. You are trying to find people who already are your core values. That is a cultural fit. And I know some people, the thing I disagree with strongly, I understand why they're saying it. There's a lot of people against cultural fit because they think it's used for bias or exclusion or otherwise. But I see like we have very different types of people and thinkers, but we're looking for people who value the same things and who want to go on the same mission. No one in a tight religious group of pick a religion wants someone in their group every week talking about how they don't believe in God or whatever that thing. <laughs> like, there are places for that. But like, I'm not saying you shouldn't talk to an atheist in that context. But I'm saying if you're putting together a religious study group every week, you don't want coming in every week and someone saying, I, and that's not the purpose of what you're doing. So I think we are tribal and really good organizations are trying to say, here's what we value, here's what we stand for. And you're not going to bend people to your values. At the outset, you can sort of make it stronger, but you need to find people who share those. Well, you'll see when we do these, um, we do a lot of personality tests and stuff in terms of how people work with each other. The company indexes towards a bunch of specific value sets as individuals, right? I think that's why people are drawn to the collective mission. 
You bring up a good point about trying to build a culture and sort of have a thematic personality type or people that are going to be aligned to the same goals just through their personality types that also sometimes can be in conflict of diversity. So talk to me a little bit about how you match a culture where you're building like-minded people who are trying to accomplish a goal without having people that are the same, you know, religion, color, ethnicity, right? Diversity actually impacts and provides value to businesses. So how do those two things, building a culture and driving diversity overlap? I think that is the key question, right? And that's where people get a little skittish and don't want to talk about it. I think any organization or group has some uncompromising principles. And that to me is the core values. But within that, we're not looking for people who broadly think like us or look like us. We have a culture of excel and improve, like challenge the status quo, ask for the feedback, you know, make it better. It's not a group thing at all. So I think it is nuanced, but I think the main thing you do there is you have good leadership. You're open to new ideas. You don't punish people for bringing up things or questioning things or pushing status quo. You like that. All we're saying is these are the three things that we need. Everything else can be different, but really these are the three things that we need because our business doesn't work how we want to run it. I think a little bit like colleges and universities, right? You've got large state schools, you've got small liberal arts, you've got Ivy League, like different people are right for different schools and different environments. Not everyone who loves X school is going to love Y school. There's just different attributes. We work from home. We work in a high-paced environment. We work client services. That own it thing, if you're not someone who's comfortable making a decision, being in charge, you like to have two weeks to think through everything. You like to make all group decisions and all that stuff. This isn't the right environment for you. That's like saying you're a city person. You're not going to be happy if you go to the rural university you know, where there's no city life. So I am unapologetic about, based on a lot of data now 13 years of doing this, we know the qualities that someone likes working in this environment and not, and where it is productive and not. Everything else is up for grabs and we are not looking for carbon copies. I think the important thing to keep in mind here is balance, right? Having people that are different enough to have all of the different perspectives and not missing out on some of the decision-making principles that diversity brings, but also have people that overlap just enough in the organization to be able to work together to achieve a common goal. And to me, that's what diversity is about, right? Coming together from all walks of life to try to accomplish a goal. Right. And if you wanted to achieve that, I think the key point you said there at the end there, to achieve a common goal. So you want to rally people around. They have to agree with that goal. And then they have to agree with the rules about how you're going to chase that goal, right? I think those are the things they have to fundamentally be in alignment with. Last question I have for you today, as you think about growing organizations that are specifically marketing focused, I know we're talking very broadly, how are you using marketing and technology to build culture, to build structure in your organization? So one of the things about marketing organizations, I think, as opposed to sort of operations or logistics, and look, everyone has to, is that you need to be creative, you need to innovate. So we put a lot of thought and systems in our core value of Excel and Improve into making sure those things are going on. And particularly with a remote team, getting the face-to-face time, having the outlets, having our best practices, having our thinking, having access to the information, and then being willing to come up with new ideas on how to blow that up, how to do something differently and otherwise. So I think marketing organizations, they need to move fast. They need to respond faster. And I think you can't do the same thing. I don't think any organization can do the same thing for five years You know, these days. It's just moving too fast. But I tend to find that marketing organizations, the wheel spins even faster. 
So we talk about that Excel and improve. Like if you're getting a point in your life or whatever, where you just want kind of the nine to five and you want steady and whatever, you probably won't like the speed <laughs> that the wheel's moving. My feeling about marketing these days is as it becomes less of a solely creative focus and becoming more data-driven and technology-driven, you need to be well-rounded. You need to be able to do both. So having people in your organization that understand the art and the science and sort of practice that in their personal lives or have experiences that make them enable to move quickly and understand both the art component, the creative, the copy, but also the impact and the data science and the technology that goes into marketing, obviously increasingly important. Yeah. And this is complicated, fast moving stuff. And to my point before, there's people who like repetition, excel at making sure it's quality and it's repetition. And look, there's aspects of that within every business. And there's other people like, look, this isn't going to work tomorrow. How do we blow this up? How do we look at the creative? How do we look at the data? How do we do it differently? Look where we are today in the middle of the coronavirus changes. You know, what worked a month ago is not going to work tomorrow. So you need the types of people who are willing to adjust their thinking and really embrace where we are and change the model and figure out how to make it work. Absolutely. It's an ever-changing environment and hiring for marketing is something that's going to have to continue to evolve as well. So that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Robert Glazer, the founder and CEO of Acceleration Partners for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we're going to publish tomorrow, Robert is going to tell us about his philosophy for recruiting and hiring. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Robert, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send him a tweet. His handle is Robert underscore Glazer, R-O-B-E-R-T underscore G-L-A-Z-E-R. Or you could visit his personal website, robertglazer.com, or his company's website, which is accelerationpartners with an S dot com. Just one link in our show notes that I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes, the contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our once a week newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J. S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, in addition to part two of our conversation with Robert Glazer, CEO and founder of Acceleration Partners, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.